This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Odyssey Sports presents Big Time Baseball with former Major Leaguer Tony Gwynn Jr. and Odyssey Insider Cody Decker. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Big Time Baseball. I am Cody Decker. I am all the way over here in El Paso, Texas, and, of course, all the way on the West Coast. Tony Gwynn Jr. joining me. We are going to talk about everything going on in baseball right now. And, Tony, how you doing? I'm good, man. It's been a, a pretty exciting week out here in San Diego after sweeping uh, the Cardinals with, you know, a lot of people uh, said was a team that barely looked like a spring training team at this point. But they get three from a team that came in hot. You ain't lying. And not only that, that's where we're going to start. We're going to start in San Diego. We're going to talk about the National League West. The Padres, you just said, swept the Cardinals. A team last week I gushed all over. And immediately, <laughs> the not even the not even the Padres, the El Paso Chihuahuas just swept <laughs> that team because the entire Padres starting lineup is basically on the COVID restricted list right now. And they brought up multiple guys to make their major league debut. And what did they do? They beat the Cardinals anyway. Boy, oh boy, I love these Padres this year. Tony, what do you think? Uh, Cody, it's 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 quite it's quite a thing here. I mean, I I don't know that anybody expected them to be able to score runs. Let's just put the wins and losses aside. They had struggled scoring runs with the dudes in the lineup. But uh all of a sudden, uh Fernando Tatis gets COVID, Will Myers gets COVID, Eric Hosmer uh, Jerickson Profar all have to sit because of contact tracing. Um, and all of a sudden, as you said, they bring up a bunch of guys from, from El Paso, Yvonne Castillo, Tuco Peter Marcano, uh, and they come up and they are, they have put up runs in a huge way and they've come through. We've had a couple guys get their first major league hit yesterday on, on Sunday night baseball. Uh, it was a good series, and and it's got to give them some confidence moving forward that they're able to win games and score runs even without those big dogs. Now, can this be a sustained thing? I don't know. Hopefully they don't have to find out because you get those guys back off the, the I.L. here soon. 
Let's be real clear. This is this is 99.9% of the money the Padres have ever spent in their existence is currently on the COVID list. Like, <laughs> yeah. That is a staggering <laughs> amount of players and stars on that list right now. And they still figured out a way to take out a number one team in baseball. I mean, you know, the, everyone pretty much is it's becoming a borderline foregone conclusion that the Cardinals are going to win that division. They're just going to sneakily, quietly win 98 to 100 games, go to the playoffs, make it all the way to the NLCS, and most likely drop it to somebody. Or we get more of that Cardinals magic that we get every few playoffs where they just don't lose at all. Yeah, I mean, listen, the Cardinals are impressive. And we'll talk about some young guys here uh, later on in, in this podcast but there's a couple on on this uh, on this Cardinal team watching watching play uh, over this past weekend. Dylan Carlson really liked the way he goes about his business. They got some good arms in that bullpen. I can't forget Tommy Edmond, who's who's really been a spark plug for that Cardinal team. Listen, the, it, to me, unless Yelich can get back healthy and get back to uh, the 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 type of player that I think we all been accustomed to seeing him play with the Brewers. I think it is the Cardinals' division to kind of slowly walk away and win. Uh, I, I haven't completely given up on the Brewers. They still got some good pitching there, some good starting pitching. If their offense gets rolling as it starts to get warm, um, I think we could have a different scenario. But right now, um, you you saw the Cardinals uh, really run into a buzzsaw. They, they, they ran into some, some really good pitching. They got some good innings uh, out of Musgrove the first night. Uh, they were able to patch things together on Sunday night. They get the blowout win uh, on Saturday with Paddock on the mound. And so you beat the Cardinals without any of your big dogs pitching. You Darvish didn't pitch. Blake Snell didn't pitch. So uh, you, you feel pretty confident moving out of there. But the Cardinals certainly showed a team that uh, is poised to keep winning it, 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 as they go through that central. And you know what's what's really bothering me about that that uh, Padres Cardinals series this weekend is we're not talking about the young guys that stepped up too much right now. You look all up and down Twitter, and it's all about one thing: the dirty. And I put in quotations. My hands are up, and I'm doing the quotations <laughs> right now. The dirty slide by Manny Machado. Which let's be real clear. Um, this, I can understand people who have never played the game and don't understand the idios idiosyncrasies of the game. Not to mention, you know, just the just the little aspects of the game that you don't quite understand unless you're playing in it every day. Right. That play right. was as clean as it gets. In fact, it's what you're taught to do. He avoided a tag. He avoided a major collision. Everyone walked away perfectly okay. No one, no punches were thrown. In fact, Manny immediately tapped him on the leg. Everybody was good. And he avoided a double play. Quite frankly, it was a brilliant play. Not even remotely dirty. What are your thoughts on it? Uh, the same. I, you know, what's funny is I, I turned to my, my radio partner, Jesse Agler, during the game and I said, uh, I, I wonder how this is going to be perceived because of, and I put my fingers up in, in quotation marks, because of the reputation that supposedly Manny Machado has. And sure enough, here you wake up the next morning and all of a sudden he's being called a dirty play. You are absolutely right. What it drives me ends crazy up, what, what, what ends up looking kind of bad because of of how fast it ends up happening is really nothing more than a guy trying to avoid a tag, the shortstop coming in full bore to try to tag him, and actually as Manny goes down, basically gets taken out, and that's wasn't anything dirty. He's avoiding the tag. Edmonds coming at him to tag him, 
And it just ends up looking away, especially once you slow it down on slow motion and, 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 and it makes things look a lot crazier, but it's a clean play. This is not even to me a question. Although I, I did feel like that was going to be the, 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 the Monday morning quarterbacking of everybody the following day though. And I can't even keep up what whatever the narrative is on Manny Machado. Is he the lazy player or is he the <laughs> hard-hitting, go-getting, dirty player? You, People you can't really both. decide what he is. <laughs> yeah, no, you can't have both. And that seems to be kind of it's, – it's, it's a lazy narrative is what it is. It's, mm-hmm. it's, the, it's the easy thing to go to because he's been involved in some incidents that, you know, if you're a Red Sox fan, you feel some type of way. If you're a Baltimore fan, you're not really – you don't even think twice about it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of been that narrative. And then he comes to L.A. and you get the whole situation uh, in that playoff game. But I think everything – a lot of it's been just completely overblown. Uh, this guy – I say it all the time. He clocks in every day. You have to make him take day off. But ultimately, you clock, he clocks in at about, what, 155 to 162 games a year. Ain't too many guys doing that. And another thing on that play, let's keep in mind how big Manny Machado is. He's not a small yes. guy. He's weighing, what, 220, 230 right now? Yes. He runs yes. into him full speed. He, he's dead. That is, it's, 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 you know, it, it's, it's not nearly as vicious, but it's the same matchup as Albert Bell and Fernando Vina back in the day. Like, it's, it's pure just weight. Uh, more weight on one side compared to a lightweight in, in Edmond. And, and it just, like I said, it ends up looking a lot worse uh, than it actually is. I mean, it, it's it's just pure physics is what it is. Yeah. And uh, staying out West, the Giants still figuring out a way to stay on top of that division, the NL West, where everyone does, everyone pretty much is in agreement that the Dodgers should be running away with it, but they are not faltering lately, uh, falling down to third place. But you got to understand, looking up and down, that lineup right now it's not the Dodgers it's not the Dodgers we're used to seeing in fact look listen to these names that are now on the IL for the Dodgers Corey Seager Cody Bellinger AJ Pollock David Price Tony Gonsolin uh Corey Knable and of course May my goodness that is an all-star team that is currently on the IL Uh, for the Los Angeles Dodgers. You take those players, you put them on another team, they are battling for a division right now. And that's what the Dodgers are losing at the moment. And that's not to say what they have out there couldn't easily just make the playoffs and win the World Series right now. Listen, this team has been decimated by injury. And I I think anybody who watches this game as much as we do can see, listen, they're, they're still in striking distance despite all of these guys being out. I mean, uh, Corey Abel's been out since back in the Padres series. So this is this has been a while for some of these guys. Price recently went on. Goslin recently went on. Pollock's hamstring kind of bit him again. Bellinger's basically been out the entire season. I think he played the first maybe series or two, and then he went down. Uh, and now you lose Seager for four weeks. They get at least some good news that he's not going to need surgery. but. Um, this team is not going to be at full strength for, for quite some time. And the battle will be, it is staying within striking distance. Um, and that may get be tough because it is, we've been talking about the Padres. They still haven't played their best baseball yet. And so uh, with the giants continuing to find ways to win, um, I, I think at this point, and it's, I still think we got about another month, a little bit over a month before we can start having this conversation. But 
the Giants don't look like they're going anywhere at this point. So the Dodgers are going to have to to tread water. They have the pitching staff to do so. The question is, will they have enough offense, I think, at this point with those guys out? Now, Bellinger may be the first one back out of all these guys at this point. He seems like he's getting closer and closer. Uh, But... Uh, they certainly they certainly are at full strength, and, and, and you can see why they're struggling a little bit right now. And you mentioned the, him, them treading water, how much water they need to trend, tread during this time. Because like you said, the Giants are scrappy. They keep figuring out ways to win. And if they have to tread water, the Dodgers have to tread water all the way, say, to the All-Star break. We're looking at a situation where the Giants are going to be buyers in that market. And they need yeah, to use some arms, and there are going to be some very interesting arms available. I do not see the Nationals doing anything this season. So you know Scherzer is going to get a haul, and you know a lot of teams are going to be in on that. Yeah, that's a that's a good point because you a lot oftentimes we don't we don't think of the team that may not have been in the conversation as being buyers. You know, it's kind of like they're they're there, but you don't know what they're going to do. The Giants can be buyers because a lot of their guys are on one year deals, so they can afford to add. And listen, what you can expect is them try to go out and maybe single out guys that they think they could bring back uh, because they're going to have the money to spend. Scherzer fits that bill, right? And, mm-hmm. and and if the Giants hang around long enough, you add him to the pitching staff, that, that makes the National League West even more interesting at this point. But yeah. the Giants still ultimately have the trump card, which is they have – they have the most money. They can they they can they can extend themselves a little bit more than everybody else, and they have a good enough farm system to which is really the 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 new economics in in baseball is is the farm system because these young players go for just as much as now the, the guys who got nine ten years in the league. Not to mention that, it seems like the going rate for an older star pitcher, just look what the Padres did in getting you Darvish. Did they give up some good players? Yes. Did they give up their top prospects? Not no. even remotely. So yeah. you look at a guy like Scherzer, who I know is still one of the top five best pitchers in baseball, but he is towards the later half of his career. Would he bring in the haul that, say, Snell did? Or is it we looking at more of a Darvish-type trade where you give up a lot of bodies, but not necessarily the highest impact prospects? You so know, it's going to get know, really Cody, Cody, you know that age is is uh, uh, is you're, you're considered old at 35, no matter how good you've been in the league, even to this point. And so, yes, the value definitely goes down a little bit in today's game just based on that alone. And this goes all the way back to Verlander and, and what Detroit was able to to only get away with, uh, what Houston was able to get away with to bring him in. So uh, this is this is just the way the game has kind of evolved. And uh, because of that, uh, there'll be a lot of other teams involved. It won't just be your regular Yankees, Dodgers. It'll be a bunch of teams that, can maybe afford to give up some of their prospects and I be it not even top prospects uh, to, to add a pitcher like that to, to the squad down the stretch. You mentioned that about age, just to give you, just to give the listeners just a little bit of perspective on this. My last two seasons, I was stuck in AAA and Reno for the Diamondbacks. I was 31 and 32 years old. I was the oldest player on my team by about five years and everyone was calling me pops. Right. I was 31. Just to, just, to, just to give you more perspective, when I was coming up at that point, when I was a young guy, like there would be guys on the AAA roster at 34, 35. So you could see kind of the drop off that happened. And I was like one of the youngest guys on the team at 23. So it, it, it's the game has gotten a lot younger. There's no doubt about it. And it, it changes the economics 
uh, in terms of what the value is at, at, at the trade deadline. And dare I say, not just younger, but also, and I know you and I are, have not been retired that long, but amazingly more dynamic. The athletes yes, are athletes. just unbelievable compared to just five years ago. It's staggering what these guys can do right now. No, that's um, that's where the game has made the biggest leap is is the fact that they are baseball is now seeking out athletes and and they're doing and they're having success doing it. Remember for a long time, all the athletes play football, baseball or basketball, you know, they did everything else. But now you're getting those athletes to now play baseball. And that's why the game that's what makes the the whole situation why uh you get the outcomes you get in the game and why people are starting to ask for rule changes is because you got probably the best athletes you've ever had ever in the history of the game right now. And they're not being able to use it on full display. Well, let's stay out West and talk a little bit of AL West baseball. Let's be real clear. I don't care who's in first place. The talk of baseball right now is one guy over there in Anaheim. That is Otani. So much so that FanDuel has posted a new futures prop that, and really it's all about who you got here. And they're both in Anaheim. And what do you think? Who is the AL MVP? Is it Otani or is it Mike Trout? Because right now it's starting to look like a two-man race, which is a shame because there are other MVP candidates in the AL right now who are lighting it up, but no one is even mentioning them. Yeah, and this is the thing I said at the very beginning of the season. If Otani is able to hit at the rate he's hit so far and pitch at the rate he's pitched, I don't know how you can can come close to that. And that's including Mike Trout. And he's having a terrific season right now. But who else in the history of baseball other than Babe Ruth has been able to possibly lead the uh, his league in home runs and still be a dominant starting pitcher uh, in the same season? I don't know how you really compete with that when it's all said and done. Don't get me wrong. I still Mike Trout is still the dude in baseball. No question about it. But when it comes to the most valuable player and seeing a guy contribute as much as Otani has on both sides uh, as, as a pitcher, then maybe even slide into the outfield for a couple of innings. And I mean, no one else is doing that. I don't know how you compete with that, Cody. Well, here's here's an extra wrinkle we have to consider when we're talking about prop bets and futures bets with the MVP race. You got to remember who's who is voting for the MVP. So. Who's, who is the player that's making the most noise? Who's the player that most of the writers out there are talking about right now? The fact of the matter is those writers right now are saying nothing but amazing things about Otani. And somehow Mike Trout has become an afterthought in Anaheim. And I don't know how that's even possible. But since these are the guys that are voting for him, if you can actually see Otani maintaining this for the rest of the season, he might actually be the smarter bet for MVP just based on who the votes are. What's incredible is there's other players such as J.D. Martinez, who's having an amazing comeback season. Probably he not got his video happy. back. Yeah, look at him, man. He's, <laughs> he's absolutely killing it. All of a sudden, Alex Cora shows up and the guy rakes again. I'm not saying anything. It's just a coincidence. Um, I like J.D. Martinez. I, I shared a dugout with him for a short time. He's obviously one of the most talented guys in baseball. I'm glad he's having this comeback season. And, you know, I don't think he's a, I don't think he's really going to be in the mix for the MVP at the end of the season. There's a good chance I could be eating my words. But right now, he's a shoe, in, in my opinion, for comeback player of the year. Yeah, no, no, there's no question about it. He, he, that's what I'm. That's I keep trying to preach this to everybody, Cody. The fact that there was only 60 games last year, you can't put any stock into anything 
really last year. I mean, except the guys that are normally at the top of the leaderboard. Okay, you can you can uh, you can go ahead and, and forecast what they would have done, but everybody who had like randomly bad years or randomly good years, you can't put a whole lot of stock into it in a sixty game season. Some guys uh, would have used the, the the last portion of that season to do all their damage and do all their work. So it's it's really not a surprise to see JD back you know, playing, swinging the bat the way he, he, he's normally swung it, uh, back to driving the baseball again. It's, it's really not a surprise to me. It was just a matter of, to me, them, him not having enough time to get it going last year. You know, Tony, you and I are both Southern California guys. I grew up in Santa Monica, California. Did you grow up, you grew up in San Diego? I did. I grew up. I mean, I was born in Long Beach, but I grew up here from the time I was like six months on. So, yes. So, yeah, it's it, we're both Southern California guys. And I think we can all agree. I know the Padres have often been looked at as the stepchild of the National League West, even though I think it's completely un, unwarranted. But you got to really admit that the real stepchild of the entire Southern California area has to be the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. They were a team I never <laughs> once paid attention to my entire life. Uh, except for 2002 when they won the World Series. But outside of that, I mean, growing up a Dodger fan, and of course I'm not really a fan of anyone anymore, but I grew up a Dodger fan. I remember when they changed their name to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, and it it legitimately irked me as a fan. It pissed everybody off. You didn't have to be from L.A. for it to feel like that either. Yeah, it just makes no it makes no sense. They're not even in L.A. County, let alone in Los Angeles. And I I kind of like the fact that they were the Anaheim Angels. It made them kind of unique because no one goes to Anaheim for anything except for Disneyland. And people don't even know that Disneyland is located in Anaheim. What's it going to take for the Angels? I mean, they have Otani right now. They have Mike Trout, who's been the best player in baseball for the last decade. What is it going to take for them to not be looked at like they're the Clippers? And if you have ever been in Los Angeles, you know exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I don't know that they can actually remove that, just like I don't know that the Clippers can actually remove that. I think that might just be embedded. What they can do is win some ball games. That's the thing that continues to be consistently missing is that they don't win enough ball games. And because of that, when you play in a city that's close to Los Angeles, uh, that's going to be a problem. You're going to find yourself uh, – it's, and it's not just the Dodgers we're talking about. I mean, they're competing with SC, UCLA. I mean, there's everything you can possibly think of. Uh, they are trying to put themselves in that same world. And so I don't know that they ever can – they can just go out and win ball games and maybe keep the conversation interesting. But, I mean, the Dodgers just have way too much history, just like the Lakers just have way too much history. Well, I'm a little upset, personally offended, that you went with USC before you said UCLA, considering I am a UCLA <laughs> alumni, but I'm going to let it go. And we'll move on to our next topic, and that is the NL Central. We had a little bit of fun yesterday. I'm sorry you can't say it wasn't fun. Nick Cassianos, who is a dynamic ball player, so much fun to watch over in Cincinnati. Do you think he went a little far with the fan in the post-game interview? As me, as just a fan, I thought it was hilarious and awesome and who doesn't poke fun at their boss? Come on, man. Of course he had the fan come out there and say some things about, about Rob Manfred. And it was very, very funny and entertaining. You just saw him, Dick Cassiano sitting there with his arms crossed, kind of nodding his head. It was like watching a rap video from 1993. (laughs) I gotta say, 
Uh, first, Rob is is a friend of the show, so you know I hope he gives us a pass on this one. But it was absolutely hilarious. I fell out of my chair laughing, and the the nineteen ninety three reference to to a rap video is perfect because he just kind of had his arms in his little b boy stance and just shook his head. Didn't have to say a word. He avoided a fine. He didn't say a word. Um, he was literally I, doing an impression of Snoop Dogg while Easy <laughs> E was rapping behind him. It was amazing. It was it was fabulous. And then you know what? It's good. It's good for the game. Ultimately, like people like seeing that kind of stuff. And he did it with a, a style that wasn't abrasive. He, he he involved a fan in it as well. I I thought it was I thought it was hilarious. Person. I know, guys. I know old school baseball people would frown at this, but guys, this is where the game is going. The game is yep. going to a more inclusive type of world. The, the curtain is being pulled back. I think baseball and their fans and the players should all embrace it. I think we should finally peel that curtain back and show people what it is we do, what it is that the grind really is. Show everybody that this can be fun at the highest levels. And that and was just a great example of it. And you know what, Cody? You're absolutely right. And it can be done without revealing secrets. You know what I'm saying? That's what everybody's concerned about. You can let the you can let the people in and see a little bit behind the curtain of what goes on. What go- you don't know how many times when I was playing, Cody, that people would ask me why I was going to the park so early. Like they, I think a lot of people think that these guys just show up at like five o'clock, throw their uniform on, hit a couple stretches, take a couple swings, and then play the game. This is not the case, right? So why not bring them in to the back a little bit? You know, you don't have to give up your, your, your trade secrets, but certainly uh, uh, allow a little, uh, allow some 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 characters to kind of emerge for for this game. You look at all the other sports, you got those type of things. So I'm with you. It, it's it's something that is going to be a slow process in changing. You know how we are at baseball. We we like to be we like to move at a, at a snail pace towards. Uh, new things, but eventually it'll get done. I think. I I completely agree. And you know what? You know what's something that's actually very fascinating that happened yesterday. It's another one of those talking points. And you're talking about not revealing the secrets of the back. We saw it last week with the rat coon over in New York. What was it? Was it a was it a raccoon or was it a rat? Doesn't matter. We're never going to find out. The point is. A lot of things do happen behind closed doors that you don't get privy to. For instance, we saw it a little bit yesterday between Joe Girardi and Gene Segura in the dugout. Right. Um, we also saw the comment from Girardi where he says that Segura's lack of experience over at third base cost them. That is a very unique thing for a manager to say about a player. Um, I, 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 If I was the player, I would have taken exception to it as well. But these are the type of things that you normally don't see out in the forefront. You saw it with the Mets last week. It ha- it's handled in-house. Uh, what people don't really understand about the dynamic of a team, you mentioned getting there early. We're spending so much time together with, you know, 25 other alpha males. We are, right. And you right. got to understand, fights are going to happen. Fights are going to happen often. I, I've gotten into it with both players and managers, and we've walked away the other side just fine. So, I do appreciate watching uh, Girardi saying it's his job to take care of this and he wouldn't respond to any of the questions. I understand why he got so frustrated with the questions, but you know, I think players have to understand or fans really should have to understand that this is something that will be handled in house. Just like, you know, I've had experiences and Tony, I have no doubt. Have you gotten into it with managers in the past? Oh yeah. I've, I've gotten to it with, with Don Mattingly uh, uh, on, on a couple of occasions. And, uh, it was always it, it it was candid, but it it always was respectful. And when I walked out of of those meetings, 
I always felt better whether the answer was a ben- was benefited me or whether it didn't. I just knew where I stood, and, and uh, a lot of times that's that's all players are 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 looking for. And, and in this case, in specifically, you know, there's been other little incidents as it pertains to Gene Segura in kind of different stops that he's been at, and you know, I think for for Joe's from Joe's standpoint. You know, maybe if he had it to do over again, he probably doesn't do it that way. But this speaks to what you were just talking about. When you've got a bunch of alpha males and you're around each other every day, just like with your brothers and sisters, your siblings, uh, you get tired of each other from from time to time. You get tired of each other's act from time to time. And sometimes things need to be said. Sometimes, you know, all the time you like to keep it behind the door, but sometimes it spills out into the public eye. And that's uh, that's kind of a part of it. Like it, it's never, it's always going to be that way. Every year we have, we see an incident like this and we talk about it for about three days because the fans don't get to see it that much. And so it's a big deal to them. But as you said, those type of things happen all the time. I bet you that that's not even, that won't be the last one. Maybe it doesn't happen in the public eye the next time for Philly, but it won't be the last one. I can guarantee that. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll give you another example uh, from my my playing days. I I had an argument with a coach. We basically I went into his office. I thought he made a mistake managing wise. He pulled me out in a double switch that it didn't make any sense. So I, after the game, I calmly went into his office. I said, "Hey, I just wanted to know what you were thinking right there." He immediately started yelling at me. I calmly closed the door. I'm like, "Do we have to have some words? Or do we need to fight?" Do we need to do this? Because <laughs> like, I'm more than happy. The doors closed. We can have it done, have at it right here, and we'll get past it. But like, and he just looked at me. He's like, "No, we don't need to fight." So I sat down. We had a long conversation, and we walked away in a better place than we ever were in. We were at butting heads for weeks, and right there, that long conversation, you know, changed my season. It changed his season. It it changed how we looked at each other so much so that we actually still get along to this day. Don't like how he manages, but I get along with him, and that's what's important. Right, especially in a season like that. That's the thing is. This this is also everybody's job. You don't have to like every one of your coworkers, but you do need to be able to get along and, and be on the same page. And and at the very least, those conversations at least allow for that to happen. Yeah. Well, you know, we've talked a little bit about the young superstars in this game and the young athletes in this game. And we're talking about guys that are just really breaking the mold on what a baseball player can be. You immediately, the first player that comes to mind for me is obviously Fernando Tatis Jr., just right. a young superstar who is off the charts dynamic in every part of the field. You got Otani, but looking up and down the league, man, Otani is not under, I mean, how old is Otani right now? 26, 27, 28? He's a little over 25, yeah. He's a, he's a okay. little past there. But looking throughout this league, we have superstars, Potential legitimate superstars all throughout the league under the age of 25. I never even got a chance to have my cup of coffee till I was 28. And looking throughout the league, you got guys like Fernando Tatis Jr., Ronald Acuna Jr., you got Fernando, Tat, uh, you got Juan Soto, Luis Robert. These are all names that should be in baseball for the next 10 to 15 years. I can't believe I'm saying that out loud because who has that type of longevity? But these guys are 22, 23 years old. Um, and it's just, it's something special. I feel like the future of baseball is in very good hands. If major league baseball doesn't screw it up, that's really what it boils. I mean, there, there is as much talent right now under 25 as maybe there's ever been. And they have a great chance and, and, and they come from all different type of backgrounds and they have a great chance to really take hold of this 
but they they can't mess it up, right? They got to be able to uh, market it right. They got to get on the same page. Right now, you basically have two different entities, right? You got the Major League players, and then you got Major League Baseball. And if you look at every successful sport right now, particularly NFL and basketball, at the very least, they're on the same page in terms of making the game grow. And so when we talk about uh, Juan Soto, when we talk about Tatis Jr., Ronald Acuna Jr., you got you have a window right now that you have to capitalize on. If you don't, you're going to find yourself back in the same spot again. We're talking about how we need to grow the game and how we need to to make sure there are eyes watching our game. Here's a great opportunity, and Major League Baseball's got to, they've got to they've got to pounce on it right now. So an on, honest question here about Major League Baseball and the players. I, in my lifetime, really haven't seen a superstar marketed as a superstar really since the 90s. And to me, right. it was Ken Griffey Jr. Ken Griffey Jr. was that superstar player that kind of transcended baseball for about five, six years. Does Major League Baseball want to make these players stars is my yeah. question. Because, you know, it's always been about the logo of the team, the name on the front of the jersey. Even though Major League Baseball can make so much money off superstars, do they want to open that uh, Pandora's box is my question. I think it's for the best of the game and for the best of everyone involved. But you can understand why Major League Baseball still has some very old thinking on this. Listen, it's already happening. Look at you. Ask a young kid or any any one of these 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 youth players right now. They're looking at players. They're not necessarily looking at teams anymore. I mean, you have you have our 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 generation still looks at teams, and that's fine. You can have both. You can market superstars and market teams. There is no reason why you can't do both. I think it's certainly for the betterment of the game. You know, why wouldn't you want to promote Fernando? Listen, you brought up the 90s. You mentioned King Griffey Jr. Mm -hmm. Look at all the young players that came behind that, that that love the game as much as they do right now. that, That same fan base that came up on the 90s is holding this game up right now. And and that's and that's where they got to make the change. They got to start adapting to the younger generation now that's coming up. It's got to be a constant moving thing. And baseball has just been too slow at times to to make these adjustments. Very much so. But like just just so people can understand the cultural impact that someone like Ken Griffey Jr. has. I wore my hat backwards because of Ken Griffey Jr. (laughs) Yes. That was why I did it. He looks yes. cool. He is cool. I want to be that cool. I bought a Mariners hat. I didn't care about the Mariners. Nope. I rocked that Mariners hat every single day because of Ken Griffey Jr. That it is was- 100, 100% fact. And that's everybody in the, from probably the age 30 and up feel the same exact way you do in terms what- of that. That's how that that's what brought us to the game was uh was was. The coolness that 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 King Griffey Jr. had, and then you had guys who were who were reaching for that spot, so it brought up their game. Look at look at Bonds. Look at some of these other. I mean, it made the game so much fun to watch, and you could be cool doing it, right? Mm-hmm. 
And what's the, the thing that scares me about this, we talk about a guy who in our generation, Mike Trout, might be the greatest to ever do it. But that guy walks through a mall and doesn't get mobbed by fans because he's not the trans transcending superstar that Ken Griffey Jr. was. But it's not that he can't be. It's just he hasn't been marketed that way. And I think that should desperately change. See, and here's where I don't fault Major League Baseball 100%. You got to have buy-in. And listen, it's okay not to want to be the King Griffey Jr. That's it's a it's a it's a large responsibility that may not be in your character. Everything that I know about Mike Trout, it's not really his thing. Like he don't really want to uh, be out in front and, and and be in the market. So you know what? But the beauty of it is right now is you have plenty other guys you can do it with right now that yeah. that want to be marketed and want to be out in front. I don't want to say. Mike Trout doesn't want to be marketed. That might be a little bit of reach, but he certainly doesn't seem like the type that is, you know, searching for that. You know, you you're, look at you're absolutely- when you look at Ronald Acuna Jr., you look at Fernando Tatis Jr., they look like they embrace that type of thing. And and you and that's what I mean by cooperation on both sides. There has to be buy-in on both sides to want to grow the game. And right now it just seems like because they're on completely different pages, that's not necessarily the focus at this point. Yeah, well, hopefully that changes going forward, and we're seeing it happen slowly. We're seeing commercials out there for MLB The Show with Fernando Tatis Jr. actually right. saying to the camera, I'm changing the game and we ain't going back. And I love that message, and I hope that message really kind of sinks in the ears of not just fans, but Major League Baseball itself, because the future of baseball can be so bright if we let it be. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt that there's a huge window of opportunity right now. And really, it comes at a crossroads, right? You got an end of a collective bargaining agreement coming up here at the end of the year. If they and it seems like there's going to be some type of restructuring. It doesn't I don't know that they can continue to go about the business of baseball as they've been going about it. It, It's just going to continue to cause raw feelings, which don't help the game. So I, I think it's at the perfect time. You're going to get a, hopefully a new collective bargain agreement at some point, and then you can turn your focus on to really getting on the same page with one another and starting to market these t- guys the way they need to be marketed. Because right now it's not happening. Last question of the day. Do you think we're going to get on the same page? Do you think the Players Association and MLB will get on the same page and we do avoid any type of work stoppage? I truly hope we do. But yeah. there is a part of me that is very worried that we don't. I'm 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 right there with you, Colt. I think the one thing that I think about often is, especially in the last year, 14 months, there's almost been nothing that they can agree on. Nothing, right. and that includes a a designated hitter, right? There's Which nothing that wants. right with both sides want, and they still yeah. can't agree on it. And so that part scares me, but. I did know I, I I take notice to little small things a lot of times, and I did notice in their first meeting, and I know there weren't any ideas exchanged. There were no leaking. There was no leaking from either side, and that is uh, is a change in itself. Up until that last meeting, one of the sides would leak something out every time, and then it would just cause more confusion and more anger. So, I think that's a step in the right direction. But as they start changing ideas. If that theme continues to persist, my confidence is going to get higher. If it you start seeing the leakage again, I I I I, I just as much as I'm hopeful, I I have my doubts. I really do.
Well, guys, this has been an incredible show today. I want to, of course, thank thank you, Tony, so much. I can talk baseball with you all day, every day, and I look forward to doing it again next time on Big Time Baseball. Listen, if you guys want to follow us, uh, make sure you check us out at RDC underscore BTB. That's Big Time Baseball. I'm at Tony Gwynn Jr. Cody, what's your handle? I'm at Decker6. Make sure you follow us both and, of course, follow the show. And make sure you tune in next time. We're going to be breaking down baseball at every possible angle. Tony, you got anything going on? Just doing more Padre games. You can catch me on uh, 97.3 The Fan uh, uh, in San Diego uh, doing the Padre games. You can also catch me on Gwen and Chris, 97.3 The Fan out in San Diego. Then, guys, you can find me just about anywhere, but of course, you can check me out on the score this Wednesday. I will be on the morning show talking all things baseball. Tony, until next time, you're the man. Have a good one, Colt. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team.